This is In the Locker Room with Wolf and Starks, presented by your neighborhood Ford store on ESPN Pittsburgh and Steelers Nation Radio. We're getting beat in the line of scrimmage on both sides of the ball, uh, like I opened um, this with. Um, really is, you know, I'm not going to make it more complex than what it is. Uh, football is a, is a complex yet simple game. You got to whoop blocks, you got to make tackles, you got to sustain blocks. Um, you got to make sure your power is falling in the right direction. We're not doing those things. We're not doing those things nearly consistently enough to, to hang our hat and find the type of footing to have consistency in performance. You know, we, 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 we stayed in the fight, but, you know, we, we, you know, they're up 29 damn points at halftime. So, you know, whatever it was. Whatever it was was not good. Good morning, Steeler Nation. How we doing? Yeah. Me too. Wesley Euler with you here in the locker room on a Friday. It's going to be one of those mornings. Multiple coffee mornings here inside the locker room. It's just me, folks. Me and you. All right? No one else wanted to face the music today. I got no producer. I got no co-host. I've got you. All right? So it's going to be a little bit of a balancing act here. I've got a couple of you on hold already. We've got some tweets already. I obviously want your reaction today, but you're going to have to work with me a little bit right? Because I'm only going to be able to answer the phone calls when we go to break. Because again, I am riding solo on this whole thing. Just me and you. 412-919-1316. Again, be patient with me. I will do my best to get you up and on hold and on the line. On the line. During breaks, you can also tweet me at Wesley Euler if you want to get involved that way. Whew. We're going to get through it together. It's a multiple coffee morning. I may or may not have stopped to get McDonald's breakfast on my way in because that is how I cope. That is how I get through these things, through these tough mornings. It was a late night last night. It was a frustrating night last night. And you've got me here for the next two hours to break it all down with you. We'll be joined by our buddy Adam Crowley about 15 minutes from now. But other than that, it's me, it's you, and it's a whole lot of commiseration. Here, there's there's two things that I'm really, that have been sticking in my craw from last night. I think two big keys, and, and there's obviously a lot of minutia that we will dissect here, but to me, two things stand out at the forefront. The first is, you know, for, for lack of better terms, the, the wounded animal backed into a corner analogy. And here's what I mean by that. I think we saw from the Steelers on Sunday in that performance against the Baltimore Ravens, they were a wounded animal that was backed into a corner. They were fighting for their lives for their season. They had just been absolutely embarrassed, right? Lost on the road to the Bengals by 38 points, and it was a 38-point loss. It wasn't one of those games where Cincinnati, you know, scored a garbage-time touchdown or two to make it look worse. No, that 38-point loss felt like a 38-point loss. All week, the Steelers... Heard their effort questioned. They were embarrassed. That's something that Cam Hayward said straight up multiple times. It was an embarrassing effort. It was an embarrassing game. We stewed in that all week. The Steelers were angry. The Steelers were ticked off. They had the Baltimore Ravens, division rival, what felt like a real must-win game, and they went out and they responded on Sunday. They were the wounded animal. They came with the energy. They came with the urgency, and they were able to beat the Baltimore Ravens. But you know what else happened last Sunday? The Minnesota Vikings lost to the Detroit Lions, the worst team in the NFL, the Lions' first win of the year. 
So all of a sudden, Minnesota, these past four days, was going through the same thing the Steelers were the previous week. Their fan base is calling them out. Their media is calling them out. Everyone's questioning their effort. Everyone's questioning their physicality. Everyone's using that term embarrassed. The Steelers didn't match that urgency. That, to me, was the difference. We talked about this yesterday, Arthur Motes and I. We do a show. I think most of you know this, but if you're not familiar, I do a show with Arthur Motes normally, you know, when, we, when our schedules don't get changed around, called the Steelers Blitz. It's at noon on SNR. We talked about how the Vikings were going to come out as a urgent team, a team that had been embarrassed by the Lions the week before, and a team that was going to play with desperation, going to play with that sense of urgency, and how the Steelers needed to match that. You knew it was coming. You just went through it yourself in your Pittsburgh locker room, down on the south side, the whole week, everyone throwing dirt on you, everyone questioning your effort, everyone saying, you guys stink. Well, guess what? Minnesota just went through that this week. And they came out on Thursday night, last night, like a desperate team. And the Steelers just didn't match that urgency, at least until the second half. And by then, like you heard Mike Tomlin say there a minute ago, we were down, what, 29 damn points at halftime. 28 damn points at halftime. Whatever it was. 29? 29. Folks, there, there, was no, there was no energy, there was no urgency from the Steelers in the first 30 minutes. And there might be some rhyme or reason to that, certainly. They played a physical game against Baltimore on Sunday. That was an emotional high, and you have to turn around four days later with travel. You really only get two normal days, Monday and Tuesday, because then Wednesday you're hopping on a plane and you're going to Minnesota. But you knew that this was coming. You knew that the Vikings were going to come out a team possessed and a team that was the wounded animal backed into a corner just like the Steelers were against Baltimore on Sunday. And for whatever reason, right or wrong, rhyme or not, the Steelers didn't match that urgency. And, and, and that, to me, was why they dug themselves an insurmountable hole in the first half. That's the first reason. That's the first thing that's sticking in my craw today. The Steelers knew that that desperate effort was coming from the Vikings and they couldn't find a way to match it. The second thing is, what you also heard Mike Tomlin talking about there just a minute ago, that I don't care if you're a football expert or if last night was the first time you ever watched pigskin, (laughs) you saw, you could see, expert eye or untrained eye, that the Steelers just got dominated in the trenches on both sides of the football for the first 30 minutes or so of that game. And in the National Football League, when your offensive line's getting whipped like that, when your defensive line's getting pushed back like that, it's going to be very hard to win football games. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter who your quarterback is. It doesn't matter what else you got going on in terms of a couple splash plays. If your offensive line is not protecting at all, if your defensive line is getting parted like Moses in the Red Sea, that's what you get. And so those, to me, are my two biggest takeaways as we sit here, as we start the commiseration on this Friday morning. Number one, you knew the Vikings were an embarrassed, wounded animal, a desperate team, and you couldn't match that urgency for the first half an hour. And number two, man, I don't care if it's middle school football or if it's the Super Bowl, you get dominated in the trenches like that on both sides of the football, it's going to be a four-score deficit at halftime. It's frustrating. It is. Because, again, I, 
It's much easier said than done. I don't want to sit here and be naive. But we all knew these things coming into the game. We knew it was a 5-7 and seven Vikings team who was going to be desperate. We knew the Steelers, offensive line, up and down all season, and that communication has been an issue, particularly with, what now, on, on their fourth or fifth string left guard? There's been a lot, not only communication issues, not only the, you know, not the most talented group, but also a lot of rotating bodies in there, too. All these things add up, and you get the first 30 minutes like you did last night, and no matter how well you played down the stretch, it didn't matter. In the last four games, in the first half, okay, Steelers' last four games in the first half, they've been outscored 78-16. to 78-16. to That's insane. And this, I think, is starting to become a little bit of a lingering theme. They've been a one-half team too often. This year, and even if you want to go back to last year, the 2020 season, even during that 11-0 start, the Steelers were fortunate to get away with a couple, sec- a couple one-half performances. You know, last year, the Titans, right? The Ravens game. Both of those games last year were like the tale of two halves. That was in the 11-0 win streak where they were fortunate to only play 30 minutes of football but still find a way to win. You had a similar thing happen later on in the season, right? The Colts game, the Steelers' last win of last year, their 12th win, where they just slept walk through the first half and then, and then somehow Ben put the team on his back and the defense did enough to win the game. This year, the Bills game. Dreadful first half, really good second half. Chargers game, dreadful first half, really good second half. Vikings game, dreadful first half, really good second half. It's been a theme too often. Even, like I said, last year when things were going well, 8-0, 9-0, 10-0, 11-0, it was still an issue. It was just easier to sweep under the rug at that point. Last four games, in the first half, the Steelers have been outscored 78-16. to I don't care if you're Alabama playing <laughs> Arkansas or Vanderbilt. You go down like that in the first half, it's going to be difficult to win. At any level, and certainly in the National Football League, and certainly on the road like they were last night in Minnesota. Those, to me, are the things that stand out. And, and there's some minutia that we'll get into. I want to talk a little bit more about Najee Harris and his usage, particularly early in games. I think that plays into this. And some of the things that they were doing schematically on defense that... <laughs> Might have been able to at least not let Dalvin Cook run through the Red Sea like he's Moses. It's a whole lot of frustration. So I'm going to be here. I'm going to break it all down for you. We'll get through it together. Like I said, a reminder in case you joined us late. I'm here solo today. It's just me. No co-host, no producer. So bear with me, all right? You guys know the phone number. You guys know where to find me on Twitter. It's at Wesley Euler, 412-919-1316. I'll do my best to get you guys up on hold and everything during break. We will roll through your reaction today. I'm, I'm here solo, so I want to talk to you guys. I want to get the pulse of the fan. Up next, we'll talk to Adam Crowley, our buddy from the Steelers Radio Network from here on ESPN Pittsburgh as well, too. We'll talk to the crowd man, and then it's, then it's going to be all you guys for the rest of the first hour. <laughs> Feels weird commiserating on a Friday morning, right? Normally at this point on a Friday, it's like, huh. We made it. The weekend. Let's go. Football coming up. You know, you got your college football team on Saturday. You got the Steelers on Sunday. 
That's the opposite of that. It's very bah humbug here in the Steel City today. We'll get through it together. And I, I want your reaction. You know where to get at me. Be patient with me today as I'm working solo. We'll talk to our buddy Adam Crowley on the other side. This is In the Locker Room on ESPN Pittsburgh and SNR. This is In the Locker Room with Wolf and Starks, presented by your neighborhood Ford store on ESPN Pittsburgh and Steelers Nation Radio. No Wolf, no Starks, no Ninjas, no Jacob, just Euler facing the music with Yins today here on ESPN Pittsburgh and SNR. But I brought a buddy, a good friend, both in real life. And in work, it's our buddy Adam Crowley. You hear him on the Steelers Radio Network. He's the host of Countdown to Kickoff here on Wednesday nights on ESPN Pittsburgh, joining us to break down everything that happened last night. What's up, Crowman? Thanks for taking the time, buddy. Oh, thanks for having me on. I love talking the day after a Steelers disappointing loss, and today would qualify, I'd say. Yeah, I, I, disappointing loss, disappointing performance, whole lot of disappointment in there. We'll get into all the minutia and break it down here in the next 15, 20 minutes or so. But, Adam, is it just as simple as, you know, like I think a lot of times we do try and overcomplicate these things, and Mike Tomlin said this himself last night in his, in his post game. like football is a complicated game, but it's also a simple game. The story of the game was that just the absolute domination by Minnesota in the trenches on both sides of the ball, right? I mean, it, it all begins and ends there. Yes. Look at all the teams that made the college football playoff, and there's a reason they're there. They're good on the defensive line. They're good largely on the offensive line. Bama figured it out at the end of the year. That's how you win in football. doesn't matter what level, and the Steelers are objectively bad on both lines. It would be easy, and I'm sure we'll get to this too, to talk about how the Steelers, they're more about the me than the we with Chase Claypool, right, and the Mm -hmm. interception celebration whenever they were down 22 points. But the tangible reason why the Steelers aren't very good is because they cannot fill gaps on defense and they can't sort out who's rushing on offense on the Mm -hmm. offensive line. And it's pretty doggone simple. Crowdman, how much of that is because of what has been a – a cast of, of a lot of different characters, right? Both on the defensive line. You've been moving a lot of bodies in and out due to injury. On the offensive line, a lot of rotation due to injury. And we certainly saw the miscommunication on a lot of those breakdowns where, I mean, the you and I could have sacked Ben Roethlisberger a couple times on those. And we're five foot 10, 150 pounds. How much of it do you put on, you know what, it just kind of is what it is when you're this uh, tattered on your offense and defensive line versus... And like these are these are still NFL players. You got to scheme them up. It's it's got to be better than what it was last night. Yeah, I don't know how much scheme can help because I just don't think you can polish the turd. Like the defensive line, I think there were reasons why they're bad that I'm okay with. Right? Hmm. You lose Tyson Alualu, you lose Stefan to it. You're just depleted from a depth standpoint, and teams have figured out how to scheme around Cam Hayward and how to not let him wreck games. I get why the defensive line sucks. You wish it would be better. You wish they could at least fit the damn run. They can't, but I get it. The offensive line, they had the opportunity to fix, or they had the opportunity to 
not have to rely on guys like Dotson in year two or Kendrick Green in year one or, my God, a fifth-round pick left tackle <laughs> that's a rookie. Like They didn't have to come in with the offensive line like that. And I realize that you have a guy that may or may not retire and he springs it on you. He springs the injury on you. You don't know how bad it's going to be with David DeCastro. You lose Marquise Pouncey. He kind of surprises you maybe, but you had an opportunity to fix that. There is no reason why this line needs to be that bad. So I blame the Steelers for that. I blame attrition for the defensive line, though. Um, it's not an excuse. It's a reason. They're just too banged up there to be successful. Adam Crowley with us here in the locker room. Another thing that I was really thinking about a lot last night, Adam, and this morning as well, too, that, that desperation, that sense of urgency, right? The Steelers had it against Baltimore. They got embarrassed by the Bengals. They heard about it all week. They had their effort questioned. Cam Hayward made no mistake in, in telling us on Monday morning on the DVE morning show that we stewed in that embarrassment all week. And I think they responded well against the Ravens. Well, Adam, it felt like the Vikings were that team. You know, the shoe was on the other foot, right? Vikings lose to the Lions. Worst team in football. First team to lose to the Lions. And their fans are crushing them. Their media is crushing them nationally and locally. They're embarrassed. They stew in that. And I think you just had to know. It's it's the old adage, right? Like, it reminds me of uh, a hockey team or a baseball team or a basketball team who's going into a best-of-seven series, and it's game six, and you're down three to two. What do you always hear, right? Oh, we know they're going to come out desperate we know they're going to come out with a sense of urgency we got to match that and and I think you you had to know that that was coming from Minnesota last night and you weren't able to match it now you might be able to draw some correlation there with obviously short week on the road emotional victory over Baltimore physical victory over Baltimore but to me too like those are all reasons but you still have to find a way to match that or at least get closer in the first 30 minutes that to me was another thing that it felt like you should have known that was coming and, and, you know, for, for legitimate reasons or not, they just weren't able to ma- match that emotion, that desperation, that desire from the Vikings. Yeah, and I'm getting tired of that happening. It happened against Cincinnati. Yep. I thought that it happened against the Chargers, too. Uh, this team isn't good enough to screw around for 30 minutes. They're, just, they're not even close to good enough to screw around for 30 minutes. And to me, it's not about matching desperation. It's about packing your lunch pail full of some desperation yourself. Like, you got to come in and you got to win a football game because you're trying to play in January. And if you don't know that, boy, that's a disappointment. Yeah. And Mike Tomlin needs to take some of that heat, too, because Mike Tomlin, I think, throughout his career, has been a master motivator, one of, if not the best motivators in the entire National Football League. But this year's team is just simply not getting that message. And maybe, again, we're talking about the tangible, right? which is the offensive and defensive lines just aren't good enough, and therefore maybe it looks like you don't bring that desperation. But, man, you can't be okay with getting embarrassed like that. Yeah. And it seemed like they were kind of okay with getting embarrassed like that by the Cincinnati Bengals, the way that guys like Chase Claypool talked after that game. You can't be cool with it. I mean, you hear Ryan Clark. It's embarrassing, right? You hear other ex-Steelers, your guy, Arthur Motes. I mean, it's embarrassing to see this team play that way. And I keep coming back to this, Wes. How can you not fundamentally fit the run? Hmm. Like, how can you not fundamentally fix that? And it's guys like Devin Bush and Joe Schober who are catching blocks instead of beating blocks. How can you not go into a game and say, 
F this. I'm at least playing as hard as I possibly can. I'll fly around, and maybe if I miss an assignment that way, we can live with it. Hmm. But they're just catching these blocks, and it's embarrassing. I can't remember the last time a Steelers defense has looked this bad. In fact, in our lives, Wes, in our conscious football-watching lives, I don't think it's happened. Oh. I'm trying to think. Uh, I don't I think got, it's fair. I like, got nothing. I got 50, nothing. They gave up 55 to the Patriots. I mean, they've had their struggles in single games. Right, like, yeah. Like so, like those two games against the Jags in 17. Yes. And they did, I guess, have some problems against the run with the Jags in Mike Tomlin's first year. But not like this. The, the Minnesota Vikings had more rushing yards in one half than any team yeah. in the NFL has had this season. And that's against the Pittsburgh Steelers. Yep. You think, what do you think Mr. Rudy's saying? Watching his team with that logo on the one side of the helmet get run on like that. There was one point, Wes, where Dalvin Cook, according to the advanced metrics, had 11.6 yards per carry prior to contact. Goodness. How is that even possible? Yeah, and I saw your tweet. Uh, our buddy Mark Caballi, bad Achilles and all, could have run through some of those holes. Uh, you and I both have infant daughters. They could have gained some yards through mm-hmm. through some of those holes. It was it was bad, buddy. You know, you mentioned Schobert and Bush there, and this is Pittsburgh. It's a linebacker tan. It's a linebacker fan base. Boy, have those two been roller coasters. They've been the phantom menace this year, right? They have had some good moments, but there's been a a lot of lows. I think you could certainly maybe say more lows than more highs. But it was last night the the I think the pinnacle of that, the ultimate example of that, when Buddy Johnson. A guy who I have high hopes for in the future. I said during training camp I thought he'd be the green dot guy for this defense one day in three, four, five years. But he's also, I think, only been dressed for four or five games. I mean, he's, he's been a scratch a lot of times. He hasn't gotten a helmet a lot of times. And he's out there getting big snaps in big moments. That, to me, was a, a direct indictment on everything we've seen from 93 and 55. Big time. And I love to see it. I mean, Marcus Allen, we saw him last year, and it wasn't very good. But Mike Tomlin, he's turning over those stones, as he said. And, hey, the options are very literally not better right now, even than the struggling guys that they've got. But the guys that they've played, Bush, Schobert, they can't be out there all the time because they haven't earned that. Uh, On the defensive front, when you bring in a guy like Adams, you need to do stuff like that because the other players not named Kent Hayward haven't done enough to earn that. And sometimes it's about getting better. Sometimes it's about sending a message. In this instance, I think it's about sending a message and hoping and praying that maybe you get more productive snaps. But I'm happy with Mike Tomlin not saying, well, these are the guys we've got. We're going to stick with them. No, 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 no. You can't do that. And at least he played some other people. But there, there are no other options now. I mean, where, where do you turn now? Right. There's nowhere to go. Not on the offensive line, I don't think. Not on the defensive line, not at linebacker. Um, you need Joe Hayden to come back healthy. I guess that's something. But as far as guys getting sat down and their replacements being yanked in, uh, I think those options are few and far between. I think we should go to the next Steelers alumni dinner, see if we can get Mean Joe Green to suit him up for a couple more weeks. Adam Crowley with us here in the locker room on a Friday. Buddy, let's, okay, maybe maybe a positive, all right, because it has been a lot of doom and gloom here for the first 32 minutes of the show. You, 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 we we got to be impressed with how Ben played 
after getting oh. teed off on for the first 30 minutes, right? I mean, I thought that that was – listen, I'm seeking no comfort here, but I, I think you got to give a tip, of, a tip of the cap to the old cowboy. He, he, he got absolutely teed off on for the first half an hour of that game. He still came back. He still stood in the pocket. He still made enough plays to at least, you know, get them within striking distance, legitimately make some sphincters tighten up there in Minnesota. We, we know that he ain't as good as he once was, but, man, the, the, the savvy old vet still has some bullets left in that holster. Wes, you've watched every single snap that Ben Roethlisberger's played in his career. You've watched every single snap that Ben Roethlisberger has played this year. Do you think he's the Steelers' problem? Because I sure as nope. don't. Nope. I don't and think he's perfect, but I don't think he's the problem. No. Does he suck? No. And most in the national media, the pro football focus guys, they like to go on the station across sure, the street, sure. stir the pot. And you know what? Ben has not been great. But the last two fourth quarters, he has been as good as Ben Roethlisberger has ever been. That's not hyperbole. That's just a look at the passer rating. I mean, he had a 158.3 last week. Can't be better than that. I think he's like 31 or 34 or something like that over the last two fourth quarters. Uh, his throw to uh, Pat Fryermuth in the middle of the end zone, I mean, that's the only place you can put yeah, it. It's, it's, a great, it's a great throw. throw. Just a great it's throw. Un- it's unbelievable. It's unbelievable. It's, it's turning back the clock on that throw. And he can't do it consistently, and he's, he's going to have his moments every game. He certainly can't move. But if you watch the Steelers week in and week out, and you watch every snap that this team plays, you know that there are far bigger issues than number seven. And if you had another quarterback in there, one that's on the roster, they don't even come close to coming back in that game last night. They don't beat Baltimore. We saw it against the Lions. The Steelers win that game if seven plays. Yeah. He's not great. He's not bad either. And he was excellent in the last two fourth quarters. Crowley, is it is it just as easy as more no huddle? Let Ben draw it up more, or is is that too simple of a of a sixty minute solution? I don't know if you can do it for a full sixty, but you can sure as heck do it a lot more than they've done it. Hmm. I mean, they did it in the fourth quarter last week. They did it in the fourth quarter this week to great results. And you know, Dan Moore Jr. talked after the game yesterday. And he was talking about how they were confused because you've got three newbies basically on the left side of the line. Well, you know what can help if you're running the no huddle, even if you're not going at warp speed, you're still not letting the opposition make their substitutions. They're going to be a lot more vanilla in their coverages because they have to make their coverage calls, not with the ability to huddle on the defensive side. And therefore, they can't get exotic with the blitzes or the blitz looks that we saw Zimmer come up with in that first half. Yeah, you help your offensive line out. You help Ben keep his rhythm. I think it's a no-brainer that that's what you move forward with. You have to. I mean, what's the point of not? You got Ben for four more weeks. Make him comfortable for four more weeks, and maybe, just maybe, you give yourself a puncher's chance at the playoffs. I don't see it happening, but I think it's their best chance for success. Yeah, at least a puncher's chance to go out on a good note and get wins over the Browns and the Ravens at the end of the season. That might be the the silver lining at this point. Adam Crowley with us here in the locker room. Last one I got for you, partner. Of course, I would be uh, committing radio fraud here, radio treason, if I didn't ask you uh, your opinion on, let's call it the curious case of Chase Claypool. Um, man, Everything last night, right? The 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 just the the stupid personal foul, the the reach forward for the first down when it wasn't close, when you got fortunate on the review but very easily could have been a fumble. Uh, the the antics at the end of the game, all of that combined with you see the playmaking ability that he has on that last drive of the game. Ben throws one up to him and he goes and gets it downfield. Like it feels like you need this guy, right? Especially in the absence of Juju Smith Schuster. 
you need playmakers on offense, and we know he has that ability, but it just doesn't shine through sometimes. A lot of the other nonsense does. What do you think is the move here? Like, Can you just afford to, to sit him down? How do you have to handle this? Do you have to build up his confidence? Do you have to try and support him within that locker room, or is it, is it tough love, <laughs> put your foot down time? I actually think he responded to the benching that Mike Tomlin put on him. And I think that's why he's going up fighting for those catches in the fourth quarter. I really do. I think Mike Tomlin got that message through. Buddy, you had, what, 12, 13, 14 touchdowns last year. You're supposed to be our guy to go up and win 50-50 balls, make it 70-30, not 50-50. You're supposed to take the step forward this year to become a truly elite receiver in the National Football League. And I think he got that message. But I think there's a little bit of ADD there, and I can say that because I got them problems myself. Where Chase <laughs> he needs he some Ritalin. Where he is, he does. He, he, he forgets where he is. Right? He gets the first down. He's all excited. Bingo, bango. Let's go. Let me show these people up, buddy. You can't be doing that at that time of the game. And it's it's also the we need music crap too right and it's the well the browns are going to get clapped by the chiefs crap too he got in a bar fight this off season which you know he could have made it a lot worse but also you need to be smarter about what you're doing in the public light i think that chase claypool is as talented as you can be but clearly there's a screw loose up there and he needs to get whacked in the face by one of his teammates ben roethlisberger said after the game that's the coach's job I disagree. I think it's a locker room job, and I think Ben might have just said that, knowing that. And I can't say this publicly, but I think yeah. I think somebody in that locker room needs to grab him and say, "Hey, buddy, we, not me. You can help us be great if you just commit to being part of the team." Like the first down celebration killed me, Wes. Oh. But it was the way that he treated Trey Turner afterwards. That made me apoplectic because you need to understand, you've got to figure it out. Hey, wow, I did a stupid thing there. Well, oh, geez, take your medicine. But instead, he not only did he get in Trey Turner's face, but after the game, he also basically yeah. blamed it on Trey Turner. Yeah. Buddy, you got to know better. You just simply do. And he's he has the ability to be a great player, Wes, but he's got to figure out the mental side of things. And he is only in year two. Hopefully that can come around for him. Because um, I thought he was a really nice guy when we got a chance to talk to him for the draft, too. Everyone at Notre Dame raved about him as a good character guy. Um, maybe the fame a little bit gets to his head. Turn back the clock, man. It's not too late. You can figure it out. I think that's well said, buddy. I, those, those, some of those mistakes, those mental errors, they'd be frustrating if he was a rookie, and he's at the end of his second season. Yeah, that, it, it's, yeah. it's time to clean that up. Adam Crowley, our partner in crime, Steelers Radio Network. Listen to him here Wednesday nights, countdown to kickoff. He's your host here, 7 o'clock on ESPN Pittsburgh. Buddy, great stuff as always. I appreciate your time. Enjoy the weekend. Enjoy the weekend as well. One positive thing so I don't do the whole negative Nancy I would take 22 Najee Harris's on my team, baby. I mean, that guy, what a player. Yeah, absolutely agree. Great stuff. Adam Crowley, make sure you're showing him love uh, wherever he is, and he is easy to find. Going to go to break here. When we come back, it's your turn for some reaction. You can get at me on Twitter, at Wesley Euler. You can hit me up on the phone lines, 412-919-1316 are the digits to dial. And a reminder, I'm here solo today. 
No co-host, no producer, it's just me. So bear with me if you're trying to call in, all right? I'm going to get you guys up on hold during the break, and, and I'll do the best to, to make sure you all get that time uh, to vent your concerns today as we continue to get through this together. We'll get to some of your reaction on the other side. You're in the locker room. Wesley Euler on ESPN Pittsburgh and SNR. is In the Locker Room with Wolf and Starks, presented by your neighborhood Ford store on ESPN Pittsburgh and Steelers Nation Radio. You know, I'm not going to make it more complex than what it is. Uh, football is a, is a complex yet simple game. You got to whoop blocks, you got to make tackles, you got to sustain blocks. Um, you got to make sure your power is falling in the right direction. We're not doing those things. We're not doing those things nearly consistently enough to to hang our hat and find the type of footing to have consistency and performance. There's the comments, the comment, I should say, that I referenced from Mike Tomlin talking about football. Hey, it's a complex game, but it's a simple game. And when you're getting beat like that in the trenches, eh, sometimes you don't have to make it too complex. It is just that simple. It begins and it ends there. Final segment of the first hour in the locker room. Wesley Euler with you today riding solo. You know I want your reaction on the phone lines and on Twitter. Let's get it going here. Uh, Avi in Kansas leads us off. What's up, partner? How we doing? Good. How are you doing, Wes? Hey, you know, I mean, okay. Last night stunk. I got to get McDonald's for breakfast this morning, so I guess it all wasn't lost, right? Yeah. Hey, first off, I'd like to tell you and your wife congratulations on the blessing of your newborn yeah, daughter. Thank you. I appreciate that. I, I only got a few hours of sleep. Yeah, a few hours of sleep last night because of that Steelers game and because of her. Uh, but you know what? It's It's been a lot of fun these uh, these last two months, so thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah, just remember they're a blessing when you're, when you, when you having to deal with a cranky baby. That's absolutely, sure. absolutely. Be grateful. Hey, you and uh, – Brian Backo covered a lot of things I was going to say, uh, but I will just say a shout out to the old gunslinger. He mm-hmm. still got left in the tank. That's one thing I love about the man. Yeah. I do work with his uncle at the plant I work at. And me and my son are planning on going to the Chiefs Steelers game. Nice. Just praying that he can stay healthy to be able to play in that game. Yeah, you know so, that's a great call. I, I was worried about that. I think we all were probably right in that first half. I mean. There was three or four times that just uncontested Minnesota Vikings were were just teeing off on Ben Roethlisberger. I think we were all a little concerned. Hey, you know, this is the last ride. We don't want it to end like this. I, I, I'm very hopeful, too, that, that he's able to stay healthy and we're able to send him out, even if it's not to the playoffs, right? It, just able to send him out on a right note, uh, you know, before he, before he exits stage left and, and into Canton in the Hall of Fame one day. Right, I agree. His spirit, he's the ultimate competitor. That's one of the reasons why I love him so much, and I'm just tired of hearing people bashing him and stuff. But, but you know, I just, you know, in the year that they won the last Super Bowl with Jerome, everybody rallied around his last year. Yeah. This truly is Ben's last year. For them to come out like they have in the first half, and for the commentators to say they're tired, I understand it's short week, but like I said, Minnesota was a short week for them too. Yep. But if they were so tired, where did the energy come in the second half? I understand mm-hmm. it's a game of momentum, especially in the pros. But 
uh, I'm not buying that crap. I'm like you. Where's the intensity? And then you got the immaturity of Claypool with the thing at the end. My my yeah. my. I missed that part. My thing was streaming, but <laughs> after I heard about it on the radio, I'm pissed. I mean, he needs to be benched. We got James Washington. We picked up Anthony Miller. He's hardly got a chance. And I did want to ask you. You and Brian talked about mm-hmm. Buddy Johnson. Did he play last night? He, he did absolutely. Oh yeah, he he really? got a, he got a nice run of snaps. There was there was a time there where it looked like that. yeah, it looked like Schobert and Bush both were were sat down there um, for a couple series. Uh, and yeah, like I said, well, when Buddy when when you go from Buddy Johnson not getting a helmet in a lot of games to all of a sudden he's out yeah. there take. I mean that is that's a message loud and clear from from Mike Tomlin and company. Well, I thought that should have been done a long time ago because when he got drafted, just like you were talking about earlier, he got compared to Vince Williams, a down here thumper, and I've seen yep. his game and text on him and physical, where Schober's not real physical. He's so small. He's got to read and react smart-wise. But, but uh, uh, Bush hasn't been the same. His mentality, yep. too, with the cat offseason stuff, and then you got Claypool with his nonsense, too. Yep. But. Mentally, he's not there. He's not reading, reacting. He's going through the motions, and and it, it was there. I mean, he did splash. Have a few. Bush actually had a few sightings last night, but yeah, I didn't. He was unnoticeable to me. Yeah, no, it's, it's frustrating, man. And it's I think, like you said, all this stuff happening now when it just kind of felt like maybe they were starting to figure it out and could put together a a nice run to end this season. Uh, you know, kind of comes crashing back down last night. Avi, great stuff, partner. Always good talking to you. Thanks for the time and enjoy your weekend hey you too buddy there he goes hey. a lot of good points frustrating and i again i i have very i i did i was so high on buddy johnson when they drafted him i loved his tape at a&m he was a defensive captain he was a three-year starter in the sec but when 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 he goes from from hardly having much of a role on the defense all season to being thrust in there in, in very crucial moments that's not because all of a sudden, you know, <laughs> he looked like Ray Lewis in practice. That's not because all of a sudden he looked like James Ferrier in practice. That's an indictment on 93 and 55. And they certainly weren't uh, the only reason that the defense was getting pushed around at times last night. Um, but they weren't part of the solution either. Let's go out to Long Beach, California, early in the morning. Surely better weather than we have here right now. Our buddy Ernesto is on the line. What's up, Ernesto? Hey, good morning, Wes. How you doing, partner? Well, good, good, man. Uh, a little upset. I went to sleep a little late. Not as late as you, but, um, <laughs> yeah, I was, I was also listening to the post-game show and um, hearing a lot of blame on Claypool. And I think it's a little bit unfair. I do understand their point but I, uh, and everyone's point, but I think it's a little bit unfair to put everything or, or, or to blame him. Like, we lost that game in the first half. Yeah. Uh, you know, and I'm, we're lucky we even got to that we have number seven to even to even make us uh, to get us to that point where you know I never turned off the TV. You know, I was mm-hmm. like, you know what, I believe in this man, and everybody was like, just turn it off. Just why are you watching it? And I was like, it's not over. I know this man. I've seen this happen. Ben, two minute warning. You know, it's just air it out, Ben. Air it out. Yep. <laughs> yeah, yep. and uh, I want to jump the gun here, and you know, I want to you know, talk about a little, something a little bit different. You know, mm-hmm. now that we know what we are, you know, we know what, what our problems are. We've known since last year. It's our offensive line. And, you know, uh, um, you know, we have two rookies starting. We're going to have a lot of cap space next year. Sure. You know, and I know I'm jumping ahead here. But 
I don't believe me personally that, you know, a person like Aaron Rodgers or, you know, even a Deshaun Watson is the solution for, for the problems that we're having. You know, we're going to have these problems even with Rodgers with this offensive line. Yeah. Uh, and I don't believe that a first-round draft pick would have changed that anyways. Uh, you know, I, I really, I strongly believe that we need a vet. We need more veterans in this team. We have a lot of young players. It's a young roster. We were one of the youngest average uh, team in the league. And uh, we need either, uh, you know, uh, an established offensive lineman. We have the money to, to, to get somebody that's going to be a leader in this offensive line. And that isn't past 30 or that is at least in its prime. And uh, the defensive line also mm-hmm. uh, last year. Uh, our front seven was, you know, damn near the best. You know, everybody talked about our front seven. This year, nobody fears our front seven. And I'm not, I'm not blaming anybody, but I feel like uh, Kevin Colbert, you know, instead of uh, – I wouldn't, you know, go out there next year and try to get some established court. Nobody's going to want to come back, come over to Pittsburgh with this offensive line. Uh, definitely not Aaron Rodgers. Yeah. Uh, until we fix the problems, you know, he – Aaron Rodgers is going to want to go to a team where, you know what, I, all I got to do is go in there and throw the ball. And, right. You know, I don't, you know, Ben, Ben is doing a great job. I don't see that Ben is the problem. Ben Agreed. has no time in the pocket. Yeah, and, uh, absolutely you know, all, agree. All these times that we were, all these times that Ben was just getting hit directly, nobody was covering. Nobody was covering. There'll, there'll, there'll be a man just directly going towards Ben. And I have a question there for you. Is mm-hmm. that like, uh, 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 is that something that, you know, is it a coach's decision? It's a total. There? It's a it's a total communication breakdown, Ernesto. That's that's what was happening on the offensive line the first half. That's why you saw, like I said, I'm I'm five foot ten and 150 pounds. All right, I mean I'm a decent athlete. I still play hockey once a week, but like I'm not I'm not a professional athlete. But even I felt like I could have maybe gotten a sack on Ben Roethlisberger in a couple of those situations. Guys were just running unblocked, uncontested, right into the backfield. A lot of times on Ben's blind side. To me. Minnesota, I mean, you know, we, we, we obviously, we wear black and gold glasses, and this is Pittsburgh, and this is Steelers Nation Radio, and we evaluate the Steelers, and we care about the Steelers. But you have to give the Vikings some credit, too. They clearly saw some type of communication area that they could exploit on the Steelers' offensive line. And when you've got a rookie center, and you've got, uh, you know, more rookies lined up beside him, and you've got, what, your fourth or fifth string left guard who, hey, LeGlue has been admirable, but he's still your fourth or fifth string left guard they were just yeah. able to they were able to capitalize the Vikings were on some of those communication breakdowns they were disguising things at the front right make it seem like they were coming from a certain area and then attack from a different place and just with the inexperience of the Steelers offensive line and i think you know some 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 inexperience and just what we know you know if we're being honest isn't the most just overly talented group um, yeah. The Vikings were were able to exploit that certainly in the first half. They 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 were much better in the second half, but again by then it was it was too late. And we didn't have an answer for or, or for Jefferson or Osborne, Captain uh, Kirk Cousins over there. Was just <laughs> throwing uh, he he was throwing touchdowns at will. Yeah, and he had way too much time was, too. He had I mean the, yeah. the the only times they got pressure on him, he was throwing yeah. worse passes. He threw interceptions. He threw some some wobbly balls yeah. out there. Um, but again, by the time you start doing those good things on defense, by the time your offensive line at least is competent and lets lets Ben operate, it's too late. You know, you're you're down four scores at that point. Um, it was just it, it was it was a very frustrating evening for for a lot of reasons, 
and and this is one that you know <laughs> of course it has to happen on a Thursday right because it's just going to tick us off it's going to stick in our craw for the next 10 days now instead of just six or seven do you have any comments on our needs for next year with cap space and draft yeah, picks and all that I, I agree with you look we all know the Steelers mantra they, they want to try and contend every year. I think it was very clear that they did some rebuilding things this year, right? Four new starters on the offensive great line. Great players. Great four, players, by the way. They were great picks. Four, four, four rookies on the offense. I think even on defense, when you look at some of the stuff they did with contracts, right? Um, not, not picking up Edmonds extra year. Not giving Joe Hayden an extension. I think it was clear that while the Steelers still wanted to try and contend this year, they also knew that there was a lot of evaluation that would need to be done. And that's the concern to me, Ernesto. We knew the offensive line, it was going to be an evaluation year. I think we all were optimistic that they could be better than last year, but maybe that was fool's gold at the time. Maybe we were just kind of seeking comfort there. That's the biggest concern to me, is you've had now this, what, 13 games. I mean, that's a large sample size in the NFL. You've had 13 games of this offensive line, And can we really say anyone's gotten better? Like, what's the positivity to hang our hat on there, right? At least if they struggled mightily in the beginning of the season, but they were starting to figure it out, we'd be like, okay, they're young, they're inexperienced, they're not first-round picks, right? They're not DeCastro and Pouncey high-pedigree picks. They're figuring it out. They're getting better. This was to be expected. I think you could argue it's gone the opposite way, and injuries have certainly played a role in that too. It's it's not always as cut it's not always as cut and dry as we like to make it as you know emotional fans, but that that to me is concerning is that it felt like there was real evaluation that needed to be done this year. And 13 games in, who do you feel confident taking with you to the next chapter of Steelers football? Right when when Ben is gone, yeah. when you do have to retool this thing, that's that's concerning to me. Okay. Well, thank you for taking my call, and uh, you know I, I'm I'm not giving up hope. We can win four four in a row, and uh, you know I'm just a little that that Kansas City game. Uh, mm-hmm. How are we going to stop Tyreek Hill? We cool. Stop Jefferson. Yeah, uh, Titans. Although, hey, if Derrick Henry isn't going, not as quite as daunting, right? But then you've got Patrick Mahomes, and then you've got the the Ravens and the Browns, the divisional foes. Yeah, four games uh, for your season. Four games probably with number seven before he says goodbye. At least find a way to to go out with some positivity. Ernesto, I got to get to a break, buddy. But great call, great stuff. Pleasure as always. Thank you. Right, thank you, Wes. There he is. All the way down in Long Beach, 412-919-1316. If you want to jump on the line, I'll get to some of you guys here during break to get you up on hold. Uh, Triple C Connection, Clyde, hang on the line. I'll get to you guys when we return. You're in the locker room. I'm Wesley Euler on a Friday at one hour in the books, another hour to go right here on ESPN Pittsburgh and Steelers Nation Radio.